Welcome to Paulas, a podcast about real life experiences from the mouths of legit working class people. Hiya! Hey up! I'm Selena. And I'm um, just a couple of Paulasses doing a podcast. Hey up, Selena. It is 20 to 6 on a Saturday night. And uh, is this the first time I've recorded from this new house? I'm trying to no. think. No, I think it's not. No, I've been here a bit now, haven't I? I think the last one was because I feel like I I was making a big thing about it. <laughs> we, were like, we were like, oh, that's his 10. And I think it's like, you're in your new house? I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure that. Yeah, it's true, it's true. I was here. I've just moved this room around a so bit and I'm Maybe like... you were like, oh, it's going to be echoey because I've not even got any curtains or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> yes, I did. Uh well, yeah, I've moved stuff around in this in this room. Do you know like when you get a new house and everything's blank and you set everything up and you yeah. feel happy with it and then about a month later you're like, nah, <laughs> all change. So, moving it again. Yeah, that's probably why I got a bit confused there. But um, so anyway. It's like it's a new house, but it's not. It is. It keeps uh, changing to be a new house whenever I get like bored or a bit more inspo. And then as soon as I can paint it and put wallpaper up, because you can't do that for a while in a new house, it's going to change again, isn't it? Buzzing for that. And you were like, my new, new house. <laughs> and look, all of a sudden it's even more purple than ever before. <laughs> yeah, when it's like, oh, it it was, didn't come like this, but now everything is purple. <laughs> I actually passed a house today on the bus um, and like the front garden had like loads of plant pots and every plant pot was purple, like all different shapes and sizes. And then they had like a big fairy gnome in the front window. Oh my God, these are my people. Yeah. Yeah, I did think. I was like, oh, I should have took a picture of that for you and my mum. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, two official members of the Purple Fan Club. Yeah. <laughs> Saturday night. Although, you know, I say Saturday night. <laughs> it's literally the same. Same as any other night for me. The only night of the week that gets me excited is Friday's Congo Gold Box, and that's it, you know? Yeah, so I'll tell you what's going on here. So Ed Sheeran's played... Well, he's played two nights and he's playing four nights in a row in the football stadium. It's it's not down the road. It's probably like a five, ten minute drive. Mm. But the past two nights got in really loud. Has it? And then, t- t- yeah, tonight is part life weekend. Um, and last year it was so loud. It was like I thought someone was having a party like round the corners in my neighbours and they weren't. It was part life. And I'm like equidistant between the stadium and the park where Park Live is, so gonna have great a great night tonight. Just all these like low rumblings of music quite loud. I seen um, Bad Boy Chiller crew were there, so you know, get the party started. Well, it... <laughs> yeah, I know if uh, if I if I hear anything I'll record it for you. Oh yes please. I seen um GK, my favourite member of Bad Boy Chiller Crew today, he put a picture on driving round in his Landy and he had, um, do you remember them Henry Lloyd, like big chunky knit jumpers with a stripe across the middle? Do you remember them? Yeah. Absolute pure vintage charver, I love it. And he had um, a Burberry hat on. I mean, you know, in back in our day, that would have been a Jarg Burberry. A Jarg Burb, Jargberry, if you will. Fauberry. Fauberry. It would have been, you know, one of them off Donny Market. But, like, yeah, he had a proper Burberry hat on. He had this big gold chain on and a 
Henry Lloyd jumper and I was like, mate, you look like everybody I used to fancy until I was about 14. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so when you said, do you want to record this at five as a pre-tea recording, I was like, mate, pre-tea? I did think, <laughs> I did think you probably had your tea when I said that. I was like, Em's going to be like, are you mad? That's my tea time. <laughs> Yeah, exactly that. So I got some dominoes already. <laughs> I did. I was like, oh. But then I was trying to balance it in between me coming back from my workshop and then like having a cup of tea break, recording this, and then having a bit of time this evening. So I've got, you know, before I go to back to work tomorrow. And then, and then I've, but yeah, I was like, she's going to be having a tea before, isn't she? Too right. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I already smashed in some dominoes. And because. I, I went and had to do my um, MOT today and uh, I thought, well, I've got to walk up there anyway because obviously it like abandoned my car there in it and then I've got to walk home. Oh, yeah, so wait thought, around, yeah. Yeah, I'm not waiting there, sod that. So I walked home via Tesco just so I could get an orange twirl. <laughs> so I've got that to look forward to. <laughs> There's no better than an orange twirl, I'm telling you now. I don't know what the world was thinking when they invented orange twirls. It's just the best. Uh, So, what's on the menu for you after this? Um, I think a fish pie. Basically, it's like fish and mash with some white sauce and some peas. Fish pie, your house is going to stink. Yeah, fully aware of that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to have a great night with my stinky house. Ed Sheeran in one corner, 50 Cent in the other corner. <laughs> Just being like, oh, I'm tired. Um, but yeah, I've not even really had any dinner. Because I, I was doing my workshop over dinner, so I had some toast before, and they had some crackers and some crisps after. So, yeah. Oh, mate. Not, not, not doing the best on, um, on the food front today. Do you know, it's reminded me that of, like, when I were a kid and my mum were on Weight Watchers all the time, do you remember them like ready meals that were from Weight Watchers? And um, she'd have she'd have this one called Ocean Pie, and it was obviously a fish pie, like, and ocean just the, the smell of the house when she had this Weight Watchers Ocean Pie. I'm sure yours will smell a lot nice, than that. but I'd see it in the fridge and I'd be like, That's for fuck's sake, just the ocean in that pie, just the ocean, <laughs> the whole of the like, ocean. Scoop a bit of the ocean and put it in a little tray and then put some potato on top. Oh, God, yeah. I just knew. I knew we were in for a bad time when I seen that in the fridge. Anyway. So, uh, shall we kick off this uh, super special episode of our new yeah. mini-series within a series? Yeah, I know. When we were like, we're going to do one a month. That was probably like 10 months ago. Life. Time. Just, um, just ridiculous. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, last, last we're episode doing it. we were going on about being 10, weren't we? We're 10, we're 10 this year. Whoa. Um, I feel like lots of things are like a 10-year, I say lots of things, 10-year anniversary this year. Um, and then, yeah, so we're going to revisit where it all started, which is with the zines, 10, 10 years ago. Yeah, all that uh, cutting and sticking and uh, yeah. folding, <laughs> stapling. Yeah. And I think I say, yeah, uh, we made a zine. It's still your life, though, now, isn't it? I, for me, like, zines feel so long ago, but you're still zining. Well, still I never make dream. zines for myself, really. I just do zine workshops, so... And I'm like, oh, I'm going to make this zine, and then 
never happens. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, I'm sad. I didn't have time to make that zine for myself. I've made zines my job now. Mm, this is boring. Um, oh, mate. But yeah. But no, I do like, I love making zines. Just, you know, finding the energy in it to do anything really these days. Be true. Yeah. After work, I'm like, I can only possibly just use my eyes to watch telly. Exactly. Like, I can sit here and stare at the screen, at the television, or I can, like, scroll on my phone. That That's the that's my, the, my abilities now. Um, but, yeah, I guess we ten years ago, zines were, like, out the way we knew how to communicate. Yeah, um, and other than what? We're in MySpace at the time. Were ten years ago MySpace? No, I think it was Facebook. We're at Facebook. But, yeah, we want... We were like, I think, yeah, yeah, we did. We did have a Facebook and all that, didn't we, at the time? And yeah. I think even then, though, it, it weren't a thing. To I, I can't think of any other way we could have done this other than zines. I know we were in that culture no, and stuff, but, you know. We could have done a blog, but I think by I then suppose. blogs had kind of died. Not died, but like, because I think blogs got big and people stopped doing zines, but then blogs got oversaturated and then people couldn't be bothered i don't know i'm, I'm literally making this up but i think <laughs> do you know what i mean though yeah i think yeah. people stopped doing them as much um but yeah so i guess yeah zines is a good way to get other people as well like how else will you get other people to to say their stuff that's not just you yeah it's true and like i feel around the time it when they were shutting down all post offices as well so it was like a proper trek to go and post out and honestly, for me, that's when I started getting a bit fed up with zines because I was like... Is that maybe you where know? you live? That's not where I live. You're in a city, innit? <laughs> yeah, so, to be fair, though, there was rumours the, the other last year that they were shutting down our post office and I was just like, it's always busy. How is this possible? Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think, yeah, it's a good way of getting everybody together. Yeah, and also, I think putting something together that lasts blogs yeah. don't last even podcasts no. don't last do you know what i mean like you i don't think people maybe realize yeah in the ether yeah and, and they're yeah. hard to find as well whereas zines if you if you know one exists and you know where to get it from it's the best yeah this is why i always say we always come back to like physical media i think yeah um i think one thing that I thought about doing the zine is that I think because of the subject matter, weirdly, people thought we were like, we got a lot of people who were submitting who were like, I'm I'm a writer or I'm doing this, I'm doing that. And they think it was like, we were like, I don't know, like Jar Guardian or something, you know, they had to come and like, <laughs> Do you know what I, mean? I don't know if that was because of the subject matter, but we got a lot of people trying to like sell them being like, these are my credentials. When yeah. we were like literally the opposite, we were like, we don't care about grammar. I don't even know about grammar. Do you know what I mean? I've not been in education since the year two thousand. I don't know what's going on. Um, you know, we were like, write it in your own voice. That's really important. We say we're the editors, but we're not. We're just sticking it together. Yeah, and like, I think that was one of the really big things for us. One, it from the get go, we were like, we're not gonna yeah. inverted commas correct your work. We, you know, if there's spelling or like grammar stuff like we're, we're just going to leave it it's about writing your story in your own voice yeah i guess um, it's just like um oral history but we were documenting it yeah yeah exactly it, the point was that stories that people don't often hear 
Um, but yeah, so I feel like that works good in a in a zine because I I often know that when people say they read my stuff, they read it in, like even who know me, so they read it in my voice, and I read your stuff in your voice. Do you know what I mean? And that's yeah. what I liked about it. You read it and you get a sense of who someone is. Um, but I do think we got a lot of people being like, "Oh, this, that, and that," and like I I could never be a writer because editing is like I'm not about editing. I'm like I've done that thing. It's done. Gone. Bye. <laughs> I'm like one shot. This is why I'm not very good at like you know when people like take selfies and stuff. I I'm I'm an analog camera person. I'm like I've got one picture, one shot, done. Right, it's not very nice. Don't care. I've done it. I'm very much like <laughs> that's what you've I've got. got I've got no patience to revisit things. So obviously, <laughs> um, aside from the fact we wanted everyone to tell it in their own voice, the fact that this is how I operate. <laughs> anyway, that's why I love zines. Like I've you know people like write something properly and I'm like yeah yeah yeah. And I'm like, I've done it now. And they're like right, you need to change this. I'm like what? What? No, when I write a zine, I just literally write it and stick it down and it's done. Yeah. So I could, I could never be... See, I think you've got more of a writing ability. I've not got the patience for that, me. No, well, yeah, so um, yeah. This, Bad grammar all the way. This year I did my first proper editing, didn't I, for Welcome, when I did that survival stories, and that was, like, really tough for me. <laughs> You know, not only just editing, but editing other people as well. Do you know, like, being an editor was a whole new thing for me. But yeah, anyway, real people telling real stories with their real voices, we bloody love it. It's like having a chat with someone in it, basically. I've just remembered, um, I'm just only a little tangent going off, but I remember sometime. I think it was somebody in America. Um, Yeah, we were international. We shipped internationally, yeah. Um, (laughs) They, they they sent me a review that they did in their zine about Polas and they were like, I love it, I love it. This is just relating back to people writing in their own voices. Um, and But then they were like, I think one of the points was, um, oh, it's amazing, it's great, I love it. It is like a UK-based zine, so some of the words, you know, you might need like, <laughs> like an urban dictionary or some of the words <laughs> have got quite lost, I didn't know the meaning. And I think like even within the UK, there's probably some words that people are like, is that a word? Is that like a family word? Or is that like a regional word? Mm. Um, so yeah, I quite like that, that you pick up like kind of local dialect or slang. But yeah, it was just funny. I was like, oh yeah, imagine if you're American. You're like, I have no idea what these people are talking about. What's Elizabeth Duke? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, lots of um, references. And especially references of a certain time as well. Because I think a lot of the people that at first started submitting were people who were similar age to us so yeah yeah which back then was like mid 20s um late mid to late 20s late. yeah yeah for me <laughs> oh, um mate. but yeah so issue one then issue one was work 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 which i think was a good meaty issue to start off with a good oh, theme God, yeah Defo. And like, I think whenever you talk about being working class, one of the first things that you talk about is usually money or jobs in it. Yeah, like them what two do you do? straight yeah. off. Yeah. And also how it can define you as well. So it's like, if you're working class, people want to go, oh, it's because you have a particular type of job that you are working class or, do you know what I mean? Like, I put don't you in even a bracket. think in terms of working class, it's one of my pet peeves. Pet hates. I don't mind. Like I don't like saying pet peeves. I don't know I said that. Um, that's one of the first things people ask you. Like when they first meet you, they go, "Oh, oh, what do you do?" And I'm like, "What do you mean? What do I do? What do I, what work? What, what do I do?" Um, 
uh, I sleep, I eat, I like eating, <laughs> like everything, big into fandoms. I so, do you know what I mean? Like, what do I do? And it's like, it's also one of my number one hates on a quiz show. Most quiz shows, when I was on a quiz show, they didn't ask this. Um, I've been on a quiz show, people. But most quiz shows, they'll be like, <laughs> yeah, you are. you'll say like, I'm Susan, I'm 43. This is like on the chase. I'm from Lancaster and I'm a housewife. Do you know what I mean? And they say what they do. And then and then they always, when Bradley's talking about it, it's on most quiz shows, like, oh, what do you do for a living? What do you do to relax? I just hate it. I just think that doesn't sum someone up, like what their work is. It really bothers me. Like that's like one of the first questions you ask them when you meet them. I'd be like, what's your favourite flavour of crisp? You know, that I get more about a person than that than what do they do to earn money to pay the rent. I just hate it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I think it's a big, it's a big, a big thing. Have you noticed on them shows as well when they're retired, they say I'm a retired so and so as well. It's like Police it is just such always a... a retired. Yeah. <laughs> always. Yeah, and then it's like, yeah, so even though I'm not working now, you can only value my worth on what I did up until, like, five years ago. And yeah. It's a bit like, no, just say, am I a retiree? Or, like, just be like, yeah, I'm just from this place, pottery in my garden, whatever. I just don't know, yeah. I just think, it's just weird. It's not It's not how, how I ever think I'd meet someone and be like, what do you do for a living? I don't care. Yeah, and, and also Unless it comes really with... Exciting. Um... Well, yeah, and I think it it comes back round to that thing that we always talk about, how you're not always doing the thing that you want to do or that you love when you work in class. Sometimes you've just got to do something to pay the bills and then your passions and your, you know, your anything else that you're interested in, you do it as a hobby because you haven't got the time. Do you know what I mean? Or there's no it... money in it or you're worried about the, like, you know, the, let's say, frequency of money coming in, you know, that sort of stuff. It just reiterates as well that... It... That, that society believes that you're only a, as good as your job or that you are yeah. just your job it's like yeah but this is what I do just to you know survive it's not some people do do like their dream jobs but I don't know I think it's weird that they spend a whole conversation about what do you do to earn money instead yeah. of like what are you interested in or like what do you like <laughs> yeah just, it's just weird I'm just like yeah but that's just without, you know that's just what, I, what I've got to do in it um but yeah so i think work was an obvious choice i don't remember picking it but it i guess it is just because it's an obvious choice that's why we picked that one yeah and the the cover is the inside of a salon and was done by nikki and i remember like the the color version if you're lucky enough this is like honestly vintage now in it <laughs> yeah if people have got these um like a beaut sort of neon kind of a like 80s electric colour scheme on it and it was proper view yeah yeah because like the um neon lights that she's done pretty cool um but yeah and everyone looks happy which i quite yeah. like everyone's smiling and that's another thing in it like this this concept of work as well you know it being like if you're working class you're going to hate your job and your job's going to be the worst thing ever and then you know if you you know have like different types of jobs and it could be like Oh, what's that phrase? Love what you do and you'll never work a day in your life. <laughs> so yeah, it was a nice um, <laughs> a nice way of changing it up to be like, yeah, just get like the picture is like three people in in a salon just looking like they're having a great time just having a chat. Yeah. Um <laughs> so yeah, let's uh let's read the intro and I think the reason why we decided to read this intro out loud 
as as is, I think is because it like for me when I read it, I thought that's like the beginning of what we say in the podcast, isn't it? And so much of it we've said oh, yeah. loads of, yeah. <laughs> Well, because I was reading it thinking, oh, it's going to be a bit cringe, maybe. Anything you write, when time's passed, no matter how long it's a bit cringe. And then and then as I was reading it, I was like, this is literally what we still say. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much, <laughs> almost exactly. And I was like, oh. Yeah. So like, I was just like, oh, right, yeah, it's just the same thing. Oh, okay. <laughs> so also, we funny. are just like this broken record that's been saying the same shit for the past 10 years. Oh, mate, honestly, when we get to our own bits that we wrote as well, I was like, hang about. Because <laughs> I've not reread this in, in absolute time. And I was reading it thinking, shit, I've written stuff this year with that exact sentence in it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Thinking yeah, it was fresh it and new, do you know? Yeah. Well, you know, there's, there's, there's nothing new anymore. Um, so we're, we're going to read read this for you now, dear listeners. Um, yeah. So, so you can get a sense of how we've not changed what we've been saying for the past 10 years an actual broken record <laughs> that we love and we're yeah. not going to stop so <laughs> get into it uh so yeah it, it literally kicked off with and, and regular listeners will straight away think oh groundhog day but anyway it starts off by saying a up welcome to issue one of poor lass a zine actually made by a set of real life poor lasses Oh, sorry, I'm just laughing. Um, the idea for this scene came from working class northern lasses, and then we've put in brackets UK. You know, <laughs> obviously we already knew we were going to get such a great reach. Um, who've been involved in the Riot Girl slash DIY queer punk scene for a while, who are a little bit sick of being talked about like we don't exist, especially when we're in the same room. That's right, Ladyfest, best believe. Uh, that's from the start. <laughs> we want to tell our own stories with our own voices in our own accents and dialogues and our own academic levels. Own all in capitals, of course. Yeah. We want to give people like us a voice that is often so unheard in our communities and encourage other working class girls with three R's out there to speak up, share their experiences and demand the respect they deserve. This is about respect, community, pride and empowerment. We want to tell and share our stories to smash stereotypes and preconceived ideas. The zine shares the voices of real-life lasses who grew up working class all across the world. Again, bigging ourselves up because we've got like one international entry. So bold. (laughs) Voices that are very valuable, very important, very passionate and very real. From living on welfare in Canada to growing up in a single-parent home in the north of England, this issue follows the stories of a group of people sharing their experiences of work and what that word means to them. This issue is the beginning of a project. Too right it is! Ten years, ten years! <laughs> and what we're looking for is your story. Whatever way you want to tell it, whatever focus you want to give to it, just be honest. None of us are victims. None of us are looking for sympathy. Shit happens and we have little choice other than to get on with it. Those things make us the super strong, powerful folks we are today. We hope you enjoy this first collection of stories and accounts and we hope it gives you the giggles like it did us, the pride and warmth it gave us and the determination to carry on with our heads held high, accomplishing against the odds and fiercely carving our own paths. Love. And it's Emma and Selena. Um, oh, so cute. And you've, you've done that in your handwriting. <clears throat> I often do that. I don't know why. <laughs> it's legit. You know, I want to make it personal. Um autograph the bit i the bit i liked was the fact that we you know we were obviously hopeful 
Um, this is is this issue is the beginning of a project, and ten years like I wouldn't have thought we'd be still be doing it ten years on, and we've no done way. a few different things with it. So I'm really pleased. Yeah, yeah just let and you know. How, I'm really uh, happy. how bold we were! <laughs> this is a global project. <laughs> We literally go, got one do. entry from Canada and I don't think we ever got any other entry outside of the UK after this issue. But, you know, but as I said, I did used to send the zine out and at one point we were, we were pretty hot, you know, I'd be posting a lot of them and they were all over. People would be like, oh, can you do shipping to it, shipping to there? So, yeah, yeah, global megastardom. Well, mate, do you remember, like, the print issues of the zine as well, they would go to, like, archives around the world as well. There was a gallery yeah. in New York that bought from us. And then I remember there was a few galleries in London that did. And um, yeah, just actually being in archives and stuff was like the coolest thing ever to us at the time. We're like, bloody hell, this is proper. It is proper. And I think because of the nature of the zine as well, I was like, well pleased. Yeah, putting things in places that typically are not where working class people feel comfortable or where they frequent you know i thought it was like yeah. dead cool to have them in galleries and museums so yeah this episode is gonna be us talking through some of the themes that came through in the zine um we had i think probably maybe around 15 people share their stories obviously we shared our own as well so what we don't want to do is you know talk too much about other people's stories um, a lot changes in 10 years you know people change in lots of different ways in 10 years and so we want to be as respectful as possible uh, so yeah we may neutralize um, pronouns we may remove some names uh, but yeah generally what we're trying to do is just celebrate the amazing stories that people shared with us and um, pick out some key themes that we think are great and still you know, are the exact same now as they were 10 years ago. Uh, and we still talk about a lot of the same things as well. So, yeah, buzzing. Let's kick things off yeah. then, shall we? With our so, international entry. <laughs> yeah, with our global reach that we have. <laughs> well, the, um, the first uh, piece to kick things off was from Jesse. Um, and Jesse grew up in Canada. And I think for us, one thing that that we still say now is Paul has helped us both as working class people to understand that you can be working class in so many different ways. Obviously there's loads of like shared things, but you know, to hear what it's like to be working class in a different part of the UK, but then also globally and you know, what it is to be working class where you've got two parents in your house or one parent or like no parents. Do you know what I mean? Like all the different things and like intersectionalities. Um, so yeah, it was uh, really exciting for us, I think, to be able to have that from the get go, um, to have like so many different types of people sharing lots of different stories and to understand, I guess, just how class impacts on your life. So, um, you know, Jesse's story is about growing up on a farm as well um, and what that meant in terms of the food that was available to eat and um, you know, growing up and thinking that if you have money, that your family will be like perfect and happy. And actually, you know, growing up and having experiences that kind of show that's not the case. You know, um, when they moved in with other families, 
who you know had the money and and had that kind of level of comfort that things weren't as happy you know and that kind of kicked off a whole new thought process for them of oh you know maybe money didn't mean what they thought it meant when they were a kid you know and wasn't actually the root of the problems and something that could be easily solved so I thought that was a that was a really great piece and it kind of um I don't know hit on on some of those like key things that lots of people share of oh maybe if I follow these rules and you know this is what I do I grow up I get a job and then I'll be comfortable and happy and everything's fine you know like a lot of people share them same things don't they throughout yeah I think one of the overarching themes we were saying is generally like I got told to work hard my parents or my parent or whoever worked hard so I worked hard because the whole point is that if you work hard you'll get money and then you'll be okay and then you'll be happy (laughs) so like that was the general like kind of idea um that a lot of people have said which I think is like kind of not an old-fashioned way but I think when you're working class you just get told you know to be like oh you if you work hard it'll pay off um but then some people are like continually working hard all their lives and then not you know and then slogging and just being exhausted um but i think people more question that now and be like "Mm, no i think actually i've just been you know what's the term like i've set off not on the wrong foot you know that you know that pitch that's been doing the rounds when you're doing like um equity diversity and inclusion training oh yeah and it's like people on a box and then it's like oh we've all got the same size box but it's like no but then you're smaller so you need more boxes you know it's like that whole thing isn't it <laughs> <laughs> it's like we're realizing i was like no it, i could keep working hard but i'm still it's like what was that quote the other day that some probably a tory mp said i don't even know said it was just like the reason you've not got any money just get a better job or something oh yeah yeah just get like a better job oh of, shit yeah i should have like, thought about that, that yeah mentality. If that mentality still exists it's just kind of like well if you work hard you you know you'll get paid and then that'll be fine but i think now people are a bit like no actually that's just not how it works um so yeah i feel like there's a lot of that like kind of previous generations that were just told to keep working hard just keep working hard and it'll pay off um but that yeah and i guess that see that that isn't that's kind of in other countries as well it's not just um a uk thing it's like i guess more like generally westernized countries i imagine that's how how it goes well yeah for sure and like i had this conversation recently with some of my colleagues who um work in india right and so they're, they're from india they work in india now and we were having this conversation about what we all did at uni and uh when i said i did a film degree a bunch of them laughed and they're like, you did a degree in film. Like, yeah. What's this clowning, just messing around? Just, you know when people used to say Fisher-Price degrees or Disney degrees? Like, <laughs> like they honestly were like, are you, are you serious? Like, we, like if, <laughs> I'm not going to, like, generalise. This was, you know, five very specific people. Um, but they were saying it is very rare in India for anybody to do like degrees in anything other than like the sort of key five main areas do you know it's like a thing and i was like i guess it's kind of like if you're gonna put all that effort into going then you want to know it's going to pay off i guess yeah i mean it's pretty smart i want a degree 
<laughs> yeah, I want a degree that's going to lead me to like a well-paid job. <laughs> yeah, like, is that? Mad? I feel like a lot of people in this country often go to uni to escape a small town or to elongate the fact that they don't know what they're doing with their lives. <laughs> so they, yeah, they will just do degrees that aren't, you know, going to lead to like a a true profession. Mm, absolutely, and um, yeah, I just think like the the idea as well of you know, people saying, I grew up with this work ethic idea or I grew up with my parents saying this thing, it's massive. The, these ideas that pass from generation to generation, you know, of parents saying to the kids, I want this of you or, you know, this is their idea of success is is massive, especially in, in this issue. There's loads of it in there of like, you know, people saying that it's like a worrying thing to choose uni instead of a full-time job. You know, like so many people would hear that and be like, wow, like why, why would a parent say that? You know, if they're not working class and they don't get it, but it's yeah, right. You've got no safety net. Yeah. If that's better or worse now, because I feel like now it's, it's expected more that people go to uni of like, even in working class, you know, because the first person's already gone within your family often. Yeah that it's now more acceptable to be like, oh, yeah, you'll go to uni. Like, more more working-class people are kind of thinking like, oh, I will go to uni. Whereas when I was growing up, it wasn't like, you go to school, you go to college, then you'll go to uni. No one even mentioned that. But on the flip side, it's, like, way more expensive than it's ever been yeah. to go to uni. So I wonder if it's that. But now parents are kind of, like, saying, yeah, you should go to uni. But in the back of their mind, they're like, oh, my God, please just work. Please just work. <laughs> but I'm never going to say that out loud <laughs> it was kind of like oh we don't we we don't do uni that's not what we we do in this family we just go to work yeah yeah imagine imagine it's similar but different now mate i'd I'd, yeah who knows we we should revisit and do like the work issue again and see what people submit now like the next gen what 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 are their parents telling them work issue next gen it's us it's like us but like the kids that we've had. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? What, what's happening? Are, you, are they telling you to go to uni? Are they telling you to work? Are they telling you to like down sticks and do anything? <laughs> Honestly, some some of my mates that I went to school with have got kids who are 18 now, you know? And so it's they like, will be, yeah, it's uni age, yeah. Yeah. Well, this is it. This is it. If we go and, go and ask them, they'll be like, a zine, a podcast. Both so old-fashioned. Uh, <laughs> what is that um, we might have to just do it on TikTok so people know what we're on about um, so moving on to the next one so the next one um, was all about being a working class stay at home mum and this idea of you know when people say stay at home mum it's not you know that, that stereotype is not exactly real when you're working class you know, it's not about having a proper tidy house and, and cooking everyone's meals and, you know, getting everything sparkling and ready um, for when the kids come home from school and, you know, all this sort of stuff. Um, and I think that was a really nice one to have in there as well because, you know, when you're working class, there's a lot of, I guess, things that hang around your neck about benefits as well. And um, this person writes about this idea of having your own money and feeling like you can spend that money how you want if you earn it yourself. 
But when it's a benefit, like child benefit, for example, how how are you supposed to go about that and, and what that means for you? You know, and, and your um, like identity and your purpose and all that sort of, you know, self-worth. And um, so it just reminded me as well of like Mrs. Hinch before Mrs. Hinch. <laughs> of, you know, um, this person writes a lot about, you know, the house is, it, it's actually just looks how it looks. And sometimes that's crazy and there's stuff everywhere and, and whatever. And it's, you know, once they've dropped the kids off at school, they kind of come back home and go, well, actually, I love to write, you know, and, and what I'm doing is I want to spend that time, you know, actually building my craft and sending my work out to people and stuff like that. And if the house is a tip, the house is a tip. But I'm taking that time to do the things that I love, even if it doesn't pay me anything or whatever, That that is my identity. And I just thought it was a really nice piece. And um, there's a quote, so I'm just going to read the last paragraph and because I think it's just it just really nails it. So um, they've written, So I'm skint. I live in that most pernicious and degraded form of human habitation, social housing. Or maybe it's a quiet street with the odd drunk roaming and singing at midnight. I can live with that for our perfect home at a rent we can afford with crazy coloured walls. It's warm with lots of words and lots of love. Fuck whatever the Daily Mail would think of it. My job is unpaid. I'm a stay-at-home mum who writes. I'm a housewife who writes. I'm a writer with a beautiful family, an untidy house and piss-all income. I wouldn't change it for the world. I'll pass on the new coat just to see my name in print. Ugh, I just love it. So good. Yeah, I think as well, it's that weird thing. Like, I'm not a parent, but I know that even now, it's there's a whole, like people's opinions of like stay-at-home parents particularly stay-at-home mums is very much like what do you do all day you sat on your ass but then class also comes into that and then if you're like a working class mum you like go out and get a job but then if you go out and get a job they're like oh what you never see your kid neglect Um, yeah and then like then there's like single parent mums and then they're like they're like the stain on society aren't they they're like i can't believe you had a child when you couldn't afford to or you weren't in a relationship and and now you're like working all hours and who even has your kid and your kid's being passed to pill to post or you're sitting at home on your ass just looking after your kid, doing nothing, scrounging. I feel like it's definitely a position that people literally like write a lot of hate about you a lot. Probably a lot of people that have no experience of being in that position either. Um, yeah. And even the things that they say as well. Like, um, here's an example, right? I was in Wagamama's the other week. And there was a last serving and she was heavily, heavily pregnant. And people were looking at her. And I'm thinking, I bet you twats are actually thinking, what's she doing? She's so pregnant. I can't believe she's still working. Do you know what I mean? It's like, but yeah. the same people would be like, oh, I can't believe you got pregnant and didn't have a job. Or I can't believe you didn't. Have... Do you know? Like, you or can never like, win. Oh, you, you're just having kids to get more benefits. But then I'm like, the benefits don't cost covered the cost of living for an adult and children so yeah. i don't think that's how it works but then it's like other people can pop kids out left right and said i don't know it's yeah it's fucked <laughs> that's what it is yep and it, it but, just comes yeah. back to that thing of it's not based on an actual logical thought process because no it's not based on any facts like none of it makes sense it's just this whatever it is internal hatred for working class people you know um 
But anyway, uh, I thought the way that, that that person kind of talked about who their, you know, what their identity is and how they're defining yeah. it for themselves was just beautiful. And they are more than what people just say like, oh, you're a housewife, you're a working class stay at home mum. Going back to that thing I was saying where, like, um, you know, when people say, what do you do? Oh, you stay at home mum, okay. So that's all you do. <laughs> what all I do? That's a lot. Yeah, it's actually massive. <laughs> yeah, it's like why don't you come and do it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. So is that, is that, it reminds me of that argument as well that a lot of hmm. people have been, you know, that's now an infographic, and that like the, you know, for when people are fighting for like a four day working week and all this, was that the idea that a five, you know, forty hours working Monday to Friday kind of affair was invented with the idea that there was one person in the household that went to work and then the other person stayed at home and, you know, did stuff at home, whether that was, like, bringing up children or cooking or cleaning or, you know, general maintenance of keeping a house. Um, whereas, obviously, now most parents probably, or two adults in the house, probably will go out and work. Um, and it's kind of like... But then they have to come home and do all this stuff. Um, yeah. It's the same as, like, oh, I work, but also I have children, or I don't work, but I'm meant to do this. But then there's that one income's not enough. Um, it's that idea that, like, it's an outdated model of how, how we work and live now. Let's uh, let's carry on. And I think that the thing with this issue as well is there's loads of bits that are funny and loads of bits that are, like, warm and posy. And it's got the real thing underneath it all. Um, and I think, do you know, we really wanted to set out, didn't we, and, and make sure that, you know, we weren't writing this for anyone else. It was like just a shared thing where you didn't have to really, you know, edit yourself and you could just be like amongst friends. Using... Yeah, is that one of them where you <laughs> want to read it and then you, as you read it, you go, oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, I get it. Oh, yeah, I know. And then, I've, you know, that kind of, for people that just read it and be like, yeah, fully get that. Yeah. And reading this back when we were prepping for this, I was thinking like, I just love it. I, like, you know, forgetting that we wrote this and this is us going, yeah, we wrote this thing. Like, it's not about that, is it? You're reading it back as a working class person and being like, yes, mate, yes. <laughs> yeah, I used to buzz, reading it. I'd be yeah. like, when the entries come in, I'd be like, oh yeah, I love that one. This is a banger. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah just people making me making me laugh and making me smile and be like yep yeah, yep yeah, yeah i agree get it yeah 100% that sort of thing yeah and um so the next one is uh, a friend of ours so uh, we, we can probably go into a little bit more detail there but the next one is from melissa and uh, is a list it says, incomplete and in no particular order, mostly because we can't remember, a list of jobs my mum and I have done. And it's just like a long, like, um, it's not like it's a list a, written, it's cut and stick all over. It's a list it. as well, yeah. such a varied list, which I like. You know, from hair model to an au pair. <laughs> to a dishwasher at a topless bar. <laughs> to a paper round. And a fruit and vegetable packer. Uh, warehouse packing Tonka toys. Building society worker, industrial uh, cleaner, fruit <laughs> and vegetable packer, call centre worker. You know that's popped up a few times. And Night worker at a petrol station. It's making me think back to that point you were making about on the chase, isn't it? Do you know of 
if you went on and you're like, well, what I am I is <laughs> all these things. Here's a list. Do you want it for the last three weeks, seven weeks, two months? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And it, do you do you not get if you if you haven't got a job? Do you not get on? You've been to an audition for the chase. <laughs> Was that one of the questions? What do you? Yeah. It was actually what you do, isn't it? But yeah, I don't God, know. What was I even a, doing? And it's that thing, isn't it? Yeah, it's just funny. It's not funny, but it's the, yeah, yeah. Like you're saying, like, what's that? What do you do? It's like, well, what this week, next week, tonight, this afternoon? I've got three jobs. Which one do you want? Yeah, which one is most palatable for a TV show? <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, it's like, what do you do? What don't I do? I'll do anything. What have you got for me? <laughs> just a job advert <laughs> yeah, that... while you're on. <laughs> It's just that thing. Like, what do what do you do? What do what do what do you do? Huh? What whatever will give me money and will not crush me completely. But even then, that's not always a requirement. Hundred <laughs> percent. So, the next one is from Kyle, and um, this this again is is an absolutely boss one, and I think it is. It kind of sets up like so many pieces after this as well talking about how um, your parents are just like, just get a job. Just any, any yeah. job, just get a job, stick at it. Um, and Kyle actually writes, and then you're golden. Because it is, isn't it? <laughs> it's like, yeah, well, just do it. Have a job, any job, yeah. that I mean, that's it, isn't it? You kind of like, um, you can, yeah, it's like do anything. Although, to be fair, um, I feel I think doing poll arts, particularly in, in the UK... I've noticed, I feel like there's two types of people. Um, so Kyle, after Kyle says, and then you're golden. And he said, um, credit cards are forbidden. If you can't afford something, you don't have it. Um, unless you get it from a catalogue and pay it off monthly. Um, <laughs> it's not whereas, real money. Whereas I was brought up to be like, you only live once. <laughs> that, she didn't actually say, my mum's favourite saying is, some it'll turn up when we never had any money. And you were like, shit, we're going to get evicted this time. Or... Um, every day's a rainy day so we were very much of like you know not on purpose but you know like well why should we begrudge ourselves so you know get out a credit card to be fair she had a lot of that but like get a credit card out she probably couldn't get one but you know like we weren't I think yeah there's very people like you have to be work hard but be very strict with your money whereas I think she was just like oh well I've spent all my money now but you know I could be dead tomorrow so yeah so you know she's got no savings um and my brother is terrible with money uh but you know that's i think yeah the you either of the let's just spend it because fuck it or you're either of the no work 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 and don't spend anything um you know, the, the two types of, that's of um, how my dad would describe how the rich stay rich <laughs> <laughs> i love saying that like, that's why the rich are rich because they're tight um but yeah no i, I get that like I, I guess because we always lived in debt. I think there's that fear, isn't there, of living in debt? But because we always we already lived in debt, it was like, fuck it. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, um, but I think if we hadn't got to that point, we'd be like, no, no. But we were there like, oh, we're in loads of debt, but we're still there, so whatever. Um, yeah, so I think I think the, yeah, the, those kind of themes running throughout in this, it's either like my parents were like, work really hard, don't spend money you don't have. You'll be golden. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, when you said that about your mum, I think I've said it before, how my mum always says, well, when I went lottery, 
<laughs> for everything. So if like, well, you know, I need this thing or like, I, you know, I could do with this thing. Well, when I went lottery, what, the end? Is that it? Is that you being generous? <laughs> <laughs> I kind of need that thing now. But anyway, um, so a good quote from this one as well is, and and I think this is a really great thing of, do you know when you've got working class parents and you get like a, a job with a salary or a job that has benefits or a job that your parents are like, you do what? And they've got no idea what it is you do because it's like this whole thing that falls outside of a trade or like a traditional job um, and they just don't get it. And I think Kyle explains this perfectly. Um, and let me just find it on the page. So, yeah, he says, I could never explain my job properly to my mum. When I tried, I felt like a prize twat. I'd become the kind of person that my mum would take the piss out of if she wasn't so bloody lovely. She couldn't understand it because she didn't know that world. There was no hard graft involved, besides staying up late every night in clubs, being bought drinks and having to go to work the next day, hanging your face off. On paper, it sounds brilliant, but in reality, it made me feel uncomfortable and kind of embarrassed. And I, I, I just think that whole thing just nails it. Do you like when, like, I've definitely had them types of jobs where I've tried to explain what it is I do. And they're like, you are. And like, even, you know, trying to tell my dad that in lockdown, I, I got to work from home. And honestly, you'd think I was like the princess and the pea. <laughs> like, oh, you, la-di-da. Oh, it's a blue, oh, working from home, are we? Do you know what I mean? Like... <laughs> Like when I always say, like you know, like I don't want to say I'm an artist because people are like that's not a proper job. Yeah. Like how do? You, mm, it's like, but what's your real job? What's your what's your real job though? It's like that whole like oh no, I'm, I'm a bit embarrassed. I don't want you to know how <laughs> I'm embarrassed. Sorry. I love the the phrase made me feel like a prize twat. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely oh, mint. And. Um, yeah, so like the the next one um, was a piece on, you know, kind of growing up and then trying to help readdress that balance. You know, people, you know, we find a lot of working class people then go into jobs to try and, you know, whether it's social care or like, um, you know, helping young people and stuff like that and trying to readdress that balance, trying to, what do they call it, social mobility, you know, looking at how can we break those um like barriers and take away that gatekeeping and, and all that sort of stuff so there's a really good piece on you know trying to trying to do that while also looking at it and seeing that it's all totally bullshit like you know taking working class kids on a visit to Cambridge and them all being like well I I cannot see myself here this is well outside my comfort zone yeah it's like that like outreach you know like when people do outreach and it's kind of yeah. like or they'll say like, oh, why, why have we not got any working class students here? Or why have we not got any people of colour? And it's kind of like we've, you know, we've said come and like, but it's like, yeah, but it, have you thought about how the space isn't for them and how they might not want to spend any long period of time there? So it's like you're you're inviting them and be like, you're welcome. Everybody's welcome. It's like, yeah, but I don't feel welcome. It's that whole thing, isn't it? That it's that weird thing. It's like, well, we asked them to come and they didn't turn up, so that's their own fault it's like mm, I don't think you really thought about this yeah and in this same piece and the, the quote that I want to read from this one is 
I'd like to say that going to university led to a great job that led in turn to a great house, car, and regular holidays. It hasn't. Because <laughs> <laughs> if you say that, I think, like I said, I think more so now people know. I think people know whatever kind of class they're from. Maybe not certain like like upper upper like class, but I think people generally know that going to uni guarantees nothing anymore. Yeah, exactly, like, and. I you think know, back in the day it was like, yeah, you go to uni, and, but like now it's just like, fuck knows what will happen when I finish uni these days. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this all, this piece is also, uh, obviously, because they're saying people of a certain age, um, there's a, there's a Ma- Margaret Thatcher reference. Oh, yeah. There's a so few Margaret have... Thatcher references yeah. <laughs> in here. <laughs> but, you know, which I feel like is uh, fitting of the, of the, of the times we're in now. God, yeah. Yeah, Do you know, just like reading this as well, you know, this person is going on visits with young people trying to, you know, help and I guess like expand the vision and the horizon of what's possible while also still saying it hasn't actually changed that much. You know, they're doing all this hard work, but, you know, what, what does their life look like? It's not what they thought either. So... Yeah, it's uh, a. Yeah, it, that's that, another good piece. That thing that you're trying, but you're like, I'm only one person. I can't change an entire way the society operates. <laughs> but being like, I'm going to try my best, but then you're just like, oh, I don't know. Yeah, the reality <laughs> is, hmm. <laughs> um, speaking of um, Margaret Thatcher and the uh, terrible Tory Prime Ministers. Uh, this is my segue into the next piece just because they they mentioned Boris Johnson oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> so yeah I think like you say that I like how the pieces are quite different in this issue um, the way they're set up it's not just everybody telling a story like we had Melissa's with all the list of jobs um, this one's like just little snippets of observations um, of is it was it the a canteen they worked at. Yeah, RBS staff canteen. So the yeah. uh, all the things that the people observed from from working in that canteen, which I can imagine is some top top notch. Um, I think anything public facing, you get some quality stories. Well, this is it, and it you all your best people stories, and then when you've been in them types of jobs, like yeah. All the best ones, uh, like my retail stories or when I worked in the Odeon, like just the absolute characters that you and your colleagues create. <laughs> Do you know when like <laughs> people come in and you're like, what on earth? Like my all-time favourite retail story is when this last come um, in when I worked at Size and she said, um, can I just ask, do they come in pairs? Like gesturing to the fact that there's one of each shoe on the wall. I was like... You know. Because then she's probably thinking, is it sixty pound for one or sixty pound <laughs> for the pair? Like I'll buy them if it's sixty pound for two, but it's hundred and twenty pounds. I get to the thing when you get to the tiller and, and, and you go like hundred and twenty quid, you're like shit. I've committed now. Yeah, I'm, I'm too embarrassed to say. The I don't shame, want the shame. Just, yeah. just, just drop hundred and twenty quid and really I was wanting to pay sixty pounds. But I want. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Did you have any good uh, like retail stories? What's your favourite? Oh, I- well, to be fair, I've been writing a retail zine for about six years. Um, it's it's not going very far. I've got some classic ones. There was that one time, some guy, when I worked at the bead shop, 
and he was telling me um, that we sold lube because it used to be a condom shop in the same building and he was Hmm. kicking off being like, the lube was down there. Like, we don't sell lube. He's like, I came last week and it was there. And you're like proper kicking off in a shop that sold beads and like (laughs) Grebo Where's the lube? Where's the lube? And we're like, like, we've got some... um, like wax for your uh, for your beading cotton. <laughs> that will that work? Um, but yeah, and also just oversharers. You know, we got some like like quality. You know, returning customers because now working uh, you know in the cosmetics industry, there's a lot of oversharers. A lot of people that tell you about their ailments, thinking that like I don't know, a cream that you sell is gonna solve it. <laughs> like people tell you some, like my other favorite one was like this woman was like, have you got? My friend said she came in and bought something. When you put it down there, and your and your man's pleasure in you, it tastes nice. <gasps> and I was just like, no. She's like, yeah, yeah, strawberry flavored. It's like we've got lip scrubs, but I don't think that's it. She's like, so what can I put down there? And I was just like, what can I put down there? Yeah, you know, like people just like just come in and they're not embarrassed. They just say this shit to you. I think once you're in like public facing, people lose all sense of like what's socially acceptable or not. They just talk. I say anything to you, and you're like, okay, okay. Yep. Well, mate, remember when I sold body jewelry for a while? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you got some right. Did you get? Did you get any like people whipping stuff out? Look at Ooh. this. What's going on? Honestly, when people would just like take out bits of their piercings and just put it in your hand, so you could like, oh, can I have it in this size? And you're like, Ooh, where have you just taken that from? No. Or they'd be like. Yeah, you know that this guy used to come in fuse all the time, and like have to tell us about his um, what do you call it, Prince Albert piercing, yeah. and uh, just like we know, mate, you come in all the time and you tell us, and he'd be like, after he'd said it a few times, and he were coming back in for the balls for it, he'd be like, well, you know, I were having sex with the missus again last night, and we've lost another ball, huh? and I'd just be like, just tell, just come in and say what ball size you need. <laughs> that's all you need. need this full backstory i'm all right thank you <laughs> honestly jokes um i was just thinking about this this piece that this person's written about observing um like you were saying the best bit is when we've put posh people think i'm common and common people think i'm posh and do you know what that reminds me of um i often find living in the north that if you southern everyone just thinks you're posh yeah, and I'm like, no, no, no. I think they're they're not posh. They're just suddenly like, oh, you know. Sometimes can't tell the difference. Like, I can't tell if they were just posh or if they're southern. It's like not everybody in the south is posh. That's not, you know. I'm owning it up as a northerner. Often people think everybody in the south is posh, but that's not how it works. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I can imagine lots of people move to places and they're like, are you posh? You're like, no, I'm just from a different part of the country. Oh right, yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, like if. For us, we know regional accents, and we can probably make a pretty good guess. But like, if we're talking about a different country, do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Like, I was thinking it to myself when I was watching um, that conversations with friends. Do you know, like the Sally Rooney shows and stuff? And I'm like, I don't know in in the different types of Irish accents what's like. A I posh always one just imagine what if it's a strong accent and. It, the the more indecipherable it is, the probably more working class it is. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. Like that that goes with like a Scottish accent. Like a I love I love a Glaswegian accent. Sometimes Ooh, yes. I, I can't quite grasp it. 
but you know that's how you know it's good <laughs> yeah, that's like, what I'm like. yes. oh, yeah that's legit so i think sometimes often with accents like that i'm like maybe it's the stronger it is because i guess softening your accent is to achieve that weird bbc accent isn't it the bbc like hello welcome to the evening's news <laughs> you know like where are you even from um but yeah and then often people hide their accents or they lose it or it gets mixed up yeah like neutralizing being a part of yeah. also getting rid of that that thing yeah your key identity well yeah i think uh the, something that's really good about this issue and, and probably a bunch of them, the others as well is that, like you mentioned it a bit at the beginning is when people use regional dialect and, and comment and stuff and I'm like, I don't even know what that word means and I love it <laughs> we've, got a, <laughs> yeah, we've got a few of them sometimes you don't know it's regional until someone looks at you confused I, I find that often at work, especially if we get customers in that are like, English isn't their first language or like a lot of tourists in, I think, right, I need to think of the proper word for this. I can't just say this weird Manc Union word and hope they know what I'm talking about. Because they'll be like, what? Um, yeah, or even working with people, they're like, what What? What are you saying? I'm like, is that not a word where you are from? Mate, that was me on my last job, wasn't it? On that global team. I was the only person from the UK. <laughs> this is like, like, what is this person saying? This, this Donnie needs to get out. I was like, right, <laughs> I can't, can't be talking like that to people. Um, which brings Speaking us interestingly. Of <laughs> <laughs> this next submission, um, oh, it, it was mine. Apparently, she grew up in Doncaster, in a small working class town in the north of England. I like how we started off explaining where we're from. Again, thinking we're going to go global, and by that point, we we're just like, nah. <laughs> you must, you must know where these places are, mate. We, we're putting, <laughs> we're putting Donny and well, Manchester you know, on the back, map. Back in the day, Donny didn't have city status, um, so maybe people don't know where it was. Tell you what, tell you what, baby. She's done good as Donnie, aren't she? Bloody, <laughs> bloody city now. No messing. Do you know, every time I get on the phone to me, Dad is making a comment about it being a city. He'll be like, oh, well, well, now we're a city. Do you know what I mean? If I say anything, well. Like, like he, he alone has achieved it. Yeah, well, now, now we're a city. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like all these opportunities that are going to come flooding. Oh dear, He's, he were having a moment the other day, and because my dad worked for Donny Council pretty much his whole life, um, and he had these, do you know, like them trousers? What people in trades wear? They've got like ten million pockets and like loops yeah. and all sorts of shit on them. And um, for years, if you worked in Donny Council, it were green and then had yellow writing, and so it said DMBC, like Doncaster Me- Metropolitan Borough Council. Um, so everything had DMBC written on it, and he was saying, well. It's a city now. I bet they'll get loads of funding and all they'll do is uh, just, you know, I don't know, make some decorative banners or maybe upgrade some signs. They won't bloody change out else. <laughs> I mean, I feel like he's not wrong. I, I won't lie. I won't lie to you all, people of Donny. Yeah, I think the expectations are going to stay low. But yeah, anyway, so... Um, so what were you chatting about here then? So I was very awkwardly chatting about how it's dead good to set your own business up. Uh, and at this point, I'd written it's now one year and six months after I set up the business and I'm loving it and it's amazing. Well, spoiler alert, readers. <laughs> <laughs> You've not been following us this far. If you're didn't, still making uh, your through issue one. Didn't quite work that out that way. But I'm going to read you a paragraph because I think 
this particular paragraph for me is like when I was reading it back I thought yes mate do you know sometimes I think in life you go through all these different chapters and you can lose sight of who you thought to be like your core in previous like versions of yourself do you know what I mean and I think this paragraph I just love it so I'm going to read you this I was a stereotypical estate kid. I got thrown out of maths class for not doing my homework because I didn't understand it and my parents couldn't help me with it because my dad could barely read. I shoplifted off the markets on a weekend and sold it at dinner on the school field for profit. I skived off school, didn't have a curfew and was constantly blamed as a bad influence by any of my friends' parents outside of the estate. On TV, people portray these characters as victims, children from, quote, broken homes and all that sort of stuff. I actually felt pretty fucking incredible. I was making a load of money, I didn't have anyone telling me what to do, and me and my friends felt powerful. This feeling is still with me now, it was me, always has been me, and always would be me, making my own life. And I was just like, yes! You're going to be my friend that is like a millionaire. You are, I loved going on being like, oh, um, she's my nouveau riche friend. One day she's going to be so, so minted, and her house is going to be... M- amazingly like ridiculous and i'm gonna love it i hope i can be that for you i want to be that for me well i'm, not, I'm putting all my money on it so uh no but yeah also you sound well badass i'm like oh you're well badass i was such a goody two-shoes mate i, I like i was a goody two-shoes compared to all my mates and then <laughs> Like when, honestly, the ones that listen to this will be like, yeah, because <laughs> I was like the uncool one. Do you know what I mean? I was the one who was like, actually wanted one. to do. Yeah, I was like nerdy, but Reading then your books. yeah, I was like cading through books and stuff while they were. I don't know. I, I, I said Doing too much about stuff. them in the uh, 1999 <laughs> diary, but um, yeah, I think sometimes y- you think you know when you're younger like you, things can't be different for you and the world it, the world doesn't hand you anything right it's it puts you in this box all the time but what I liked about what I wrote there when I when I wrote I actually feel pretty fucking incredible was because I did do you know what I mean I felt like it was cooler to not have a curfew and to not have anybody give a fuck about me do you know what I mean I felt like it was I was learning these life lessons of just getting out there and getting shit done on my own terms. And I think there's something nice in having that like autonomy and agency and having a person say that about themselves. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. you're always talked about as being from a broken home or, you know, and yeah, them things are, are not easy and it, it does make life hard and it, it's not great. And a bunch of people have their lives ruined by being caught doing stuff like that. You know, it's get arrested once or get caught doing the wrong thing once and and that's the rest of your life done and I think there's something about creating a space to be able to be honest about all that stuff and be like well actually I thought it was pretty mint (laughs) do you know what I mean the the whole point of why we did poor lass was because when and the fact we called it poor lass because it the whole thing was a play on like we're poor but also people like oh pity us was a bit like, no, nah, don't you pity me, I'm having a great time. Yeah, exactly that. Like, yeah. I'm not always having a great time, but I'm having a great time. Yeah, life can be difficult and make stuff hard, but that doesn't mean that everything's an absolute shit show all the time. Actually, you still do have a boss time, and, you know, community is a big thing, and 
make do and mend and like all the things that we ever talk about i actually just stop stop like referring to everything as just being like proper shit for everyone all the time actually go speak to someone um but yeah i feel like you're still smashing it now mate honestly who knows what what comes ahead next for emily i know i've just told you do you know do you know what i hope i hope um... gilded gold that'd be amazing (laughs) What? An actual palm tree in the centre of your house. Honestly, maybe. I can't wait. Well, <laughs> maybe if I keep like saying stuff, then I can like manifest it. But you know, <laughs> short term, what I want is a hot tub in my garden. <laughs> but like long term, what you I want that, is a pool. All the, like, <laughs> all the like shitty punks I know. No offence, all my friends, but you know, um, <laughs> you know, we're, we're we're of an ilk. You know, we're not we're not shitty punks. What's the best way to describe us? I feel like you're you're like my classy, you know, you've got a hot tub. I'm not going to know anyone else has got a hot tub. It's like I'm putting my money on you that I would put on my brother, but I think that, I don't know if they, he's going to succeed. He is pretty jammy, so he might just slip into it. I feel it. like he will. I but you two will. are going to be the ones where I go around and I'm just like, I yeah, uh, just come around to nip into your hot tub. <laughs> just going to use your sauna. It's going to use your, it's going to go in your swimming pool. <laughs> That's that's the dream right there. I want the swimming pool. And I won't stop, Selena, until I've got a freaking <laughs> swimming pool. I will not be satisfied. You've got the ambition that I, I lack, so thanks. Thanks for uh, providing me with a life <laughs> that I would, by other means, not have. Well, you, you keep manifesting it as well as I will. And then yeah, we've yeah. Got, we've I'll got put two that of us on it. I'll, I'll manifest it for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> light work, that light work. <laughs> P- purple pool house soon come. <laughs> oh dear. Right. Well, let's move on to our next person. So, uh, this next person was talking about how, you know, they were wanting to go to uni, and this is what we kind of briefly referenced before as well. Um, and they had a conversation with their mum, who actually was like, mm, "Do you want to go to uni? Do you sure you just don't want to get a job?" And and I think, honestly, that, that is just a real thing. So many people in this issue have talked about going to uni, feeling like an alien, feeling like, what am I doing here? These are not my people. You yeah. know, and... and I, yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I think they also said, like, you know, they found uni quite difficult, even though, like, the uni was quite left-wing and there was, like, a lot of feminists that they met and other gay people you know they all still mostly came from middle class backgrounds and that's another i think a thing that people don't think about as well when you go away yeah and i guess like the parents are like i'm worried about you getting in debt and not being able to afford things and struggling and like why would you put yourself through these like three or four years of struggle and then having people that aren't like you and you know it's probably quite daunting for a parent yeah for bloody sure like and the the sort of closing paragraph that this person wrote i think is interesting because it also goes into one of them i guess topics shall we say or themes that again we've talked about a lot of transcending class i think as well university throughout every issue there's a mention of university i think yeah there's somebody always mentioned about going away to university and like that having a big effect on them for sure. And I think if if you work in class as well, feeling like guilt or that sense of identity becoming like you don't know who you are anymore or who you want to be or 
you know, there's, there's a few things, um, a few people who, who kind of said that sort of thing. And this last paragraph that this person wrote was, you don't just leave your class behind. It is part of who you are, something you carry around with you. It influences how you think, the directions you take and how you take them, how you take up space, your hopes and desires and your fears. My political allegiance will always be with the working class and poor. I hope my PhD does pay off and that I don't have to add too many more jobs to the job list document. I decided to go into academia because I didn't want to struggle financially all my life. Admittedly, there were probably other more stable professions that might have guaranteed this, but it spoke to my love of reading, writing and thinking that gave me a freedom when I was growing up and my research is definitely influenced by my upbringing. And I think the way that they describe that there is like, being true to the things that they love and you know like reading writing etc and that freedom from how you grow up you can't you can't choose right how you grow up you can't choose what family you, you grow up in and and the kind of uh like environment or the atmosphere but then you also have this feeling of like being tied to it don't you and this fierce like defensiveness sometimes about it so yeah I, I thought that was really nice yeah and not like like I've got a better life now because I didn't like my 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 previous like my I didn't like my life growing up. Do you know what you, like you don't want to look like you're shunning it? Um, yeah, yeah, and also doing things that people, like working class people, aren't allowed to do or have the space to do or like it's not for you. Like 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 they said, like reading and writing, like their love of that. That's not something that you have the time or ability to do. It's like oh, that's not for you. Yeah, which I always think is like. It, that's bullshit but yeah that's often what people are told <laughs> yeah it's true and segueing perfectly into our next person and so th this is by georgie right and and i'll i'll say her name because you know georgie if you've listened to us before because georgie has recorded with us in the past and she is a stoke legend she was my roommate at uni and just has a beautiful way with words <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, Georgie was the first person that I ever heard use the phrase we didn't have a pot to piss in and we still laugh about that today <laughs> and um, that it's just the best in it and it's even better in a Stoke accent and the so I'm going to read you this quote from Georgie's piece um, which is about you know her parents and, and how they saw work and then how she got into the world of work and what that looked like for her, you know, and just this, you know, how, like the people that you end up working with and how they shape you, um, and just how like, for me in Georgie's piece, it's very much like, no matter what you do, you you, you can just like real recognize real, right? <laughs> it's like working class legends. I, I think her piece was just like a love letter to all the working class legends that she's ever worked with before. And I love it. So, this very poetic <laughs> paragraph that I'm going to read. I wish I could do it in her voice to do it justice, but I'm not going to because it would be awful. Um, but yeah, here we go. So she, she's written, I've had some great shit jobs and I've never been picky. If that job can allow me to pay my rent and travel as much as possible, then I honestly could not give a fuck what it was. I was just grateful to have a job so I could go places with my mates. This is exactly what I was telling myself as I was picking up a used tampon off the floor of Meadowall's toilets. Be grateful you've got shit to pay for. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but, you 
know, we're laughing, but you know, that's true. And that's why I'm going back to that quote before when they're like, if you want the cost of living's getting high, if you can't want to afford to live, get a better job. I'm like, yeah, but who's going to be picking up the tampons off Meadowall's floor? <laughs> It's not you, is it, mate? No, someone's got to do that job and it isn't you, so shut up and pay me more. <laughs> oh, <laughs> dear. They love telling people to, like, have aspirations and get better jobs, but like, the one who will do these jobs that we're doing now? Hmm? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> oh. Honestly, if there's one thing I love, it's having them conversations where you're like, yeah, but what's the worst thing you've ever had to do at work? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one, that one. That is top of the line. Um, the piece after it as well, we had another reference to Margaret Thatcher and somebody said to this person that Margaret Thatcher was one of the best things to ever happen to this country, um, to which obviously they were not too happy. Red flag. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. Three red flag emojis right now. Oh, my God. Oh. And... This piece was, like, very much about going into that other world of, like, you know, what we've described before about this idea of transcending your class, right? You you work really hard or you have, like, a, a career that you want to get into and you finally get there and then everyone's a dickhead. And you're like, what am I even doing here? How are these people real? How yeah. can I be in this world with these dickheads? Um, so, yeah, that, that piece in particular I thought was was really good because this person had worked really, really hard, was, you know, on paper, dead successful, feeling really happy about it, family proud, but the reality was just shit. Like, you know, they'd written here, it's just banter love, don't take it so personally. I'd like to point out that um, it was a 90-minute lecture with a stranger about why Margaret Thatcher was the best thing to happen to this country. <laughs> and I'll be honest, I'd rather pick up a used tampon off the meadow wall. Yeah. I'm just saying Hundred percent. Oh dear. Actual jokes, isn't it? I feel like that is a, it's just banter love, don't take it so personally, is like one of the worst sentences ever to say to be Actual said. Actual shudders. Actual shudders, mate. I think <laughs> that's when you that's when you kinda know, I I cannot talk to this person. This person isn't complete idiot. I, I there's there's no getting through. Yeah. It's time to go. There's no saving this. <laughs> I have to leave. <laughs> so, oh. as we um, go through, do you know what? We've managed an hour and 20 minutes already. Because we're just having a great time. We're fucking having a great time reading all these legends, writing mint stuff. And to kick off this next one, so this is Holly. Everybody who listens to this will know Holly. Um, another, Holly an old, another guest that we had Yeah, before. been on a few unions. times. Yeah. yeah. Oh, talking about unions, yeah. yeah. And um, I'll start off with a quote and then I'll pass to you, Selena, on this one because you know Holly dead well and Holly's story is it is another mint one. Like, if you follow Holly's comics, there's a lot of stuff there about working in the arts and libraries um, and this piece is a, is a lot of that and it's amazing. And just to kick off this, I just wanted to read. I was once told by a friend that going to university means you transcend your class that you lose all claim to your working class identity once you enter further education. And to that friend, I would like to say, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> the, best. Um, the best. Yeah, her, Holly titled her piece 
if you work hard you'll succeed and my other failures um and there was this bit about like um oh, where's it gone sorry i'm just scrolling there's a lot of um again in holly's piece and other themes people working in libraries i feel like there's a lot of uh people that like love reading that contribute to the scene yeah. um and like books and people crying in the toilets just toilets <laughs> lots of that whether, whether the venn diagram um it was like yeah, Holly said, I was confused. I, I had done everything I was supposed to do. I went to university and worked and worked and worked. And I got to be grown up with a proper job. My family were chuffed to bits. Then I had left my small town and was now living and working in London, which they thought of as a mythical place like Narnia. <laughs> <laughs> Big London. Um, but yeah, and then she just goes on to say, like, you know, how could she tell her family that she was miserable and, like, the place she was working for was horrible and she like, working over time everyone was a dick to her you know it's kind of like I, you know you know the family back home are like oh holly went to uni and she's got this amazing job in big london and and you're kind of like yeah but i hate it it's like yeah it's that weird thing it's like you don't want to that you when your family are kind of living vicariously through you or like just you know like look one of us has made it we've made it yeah it's that it's that idea isn't it that yeah these these are the things you're meant to do in order to make it um but yeah, and that goes back to the thing we were saying at the beginning that like having money isn't always the answer or having this job you thought was what was a, what were you meant to do or like your dream job or like a really good job, like a proper job. It's not always, it doesn't, yeah, it's more than that. And go back to like we were saying like, oh, we haven't got, why have we not got any working class students or working class people at, at place of work or why, why is this place of work predominantly white people? It's kind of like, I can get into this place of work you know, if I worked really hard and like slogged against all odds, but then I get here and I'm not comfortable because there's nobody else like me here and you've not thought about having somebody like me here. Um, so yeah, it's that whole thing like, well, I worked hard like they told me to and I'm miserable. What do I do now? Yeah, and a very similar um, experience from Kate as well. And Kate also talks about being a librarian, crying in toilets. There, There is a Venn diagram here of librarians <laughs> who cry in toilets. And so they wrote, dress nice, talk nice, do what I am told, sell out every single time because I can't afford to lose my job. You know, there's a lot riding on it, isn't there? You you spend all that time, the effort, the investment, the, you know, that kind of... Like, mm. like a, a career or a proper job, it's even more pressure, you know? Yeah. It's not like, oh, I'm in a minimum page job and I need to do it because I need to pay the rent. It's kind of like, well, I've worked this hard and this is what I'm supposed to be doing and, I, you know, I can't just give up this, like, proper job I can't yeah you know I've just got to stay here and be miserable yeah exactly and I think you've also got that that weight on your shoulders aren't you of the expectation of your family or your friends or just other folks who are like oh like you just said yeah it must be amazing and you don't want to like spoil the dream for yourself or for anyone else do you no yeah it's that yes yeah, a lot riding on it absolutely and uh our next guest Somebody called Ooh. Selena. Never heard of her. Never heard of her. What's she got to say? Who is this? Um, I, basically, it's just me always chatting shit in it with my bold statements. I That's start, what I we love. A, I don't have a career. I have chosen not to have a career. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> I have chosen not to have a career. I <laughs> am career free. <laughs> um, basically, I list off all the jobs I've had which are mostly in retail. My first job was uh, working in a nursing home in the laundry at the weekend. I'd collect all the residents' washing and I'd wash it and iron it 
and fold it and put it back. I love I put it on my little trolley, deliver it to their rooms. I loved it. Obviously, I dealt with like the pissiest and shittiest clothes known to man. But I like that little job. Um, one time I had a summer job in an office to pay for me to that job paid me to go to Lady Fest Glasgow. The next job in an office paid for me to go to uh, Lady Fest London. Realised working in office was not for me. Uh, I hated it. Um, but the whole piece was it's weird now because um obviously it was 10 years ago and I spoke about how like all my different jobs and how I just got a, a job as a Christmas temp um and my average time in a place of work apart from when I went to the beach which was like three and a half years I averaged 18 months I had a sweet shop for 18 months I worked in a fancy dress shop for 18 months I worked in another charity shop for 18 so I generally about a year and a half in I, I get I don't like it and I quit um but yeah so I started my Christmas temp job um so I'm there going, oh, I've just started. The hours are very few, um, you know. And every time I quit a job, I go on a big holiday to America because that's just the sort of person I am. Big holiday, yes. <laughs> I quit a job and go, what should I do? I know, get in loads of debt. I've got a credit card. <laughs> um, but, yeah, and it's just funny because uh, 10 years on, uh, this August is 10 years of me being at this job. So I've been at this job for 10 years, which blows Whoa. my mind a little bit. Um so yeah, that that was a bit weird. Reason that like, I've just started this new job just as a Christmas temp, and I'm like, yeah, ten years. I'm still here. I'm still here. Take that eighteen. Um, but yeah, my whole point was how I want to be an artist, and I do my crappy jobs in retail, which I was in inverted commas because I don't believe that, um, and not get a proper job also in inverted commas because I want to, um, you know, be this artist. And my, my last my last paragraph is, I could work really hard, keep doing these crappy jobs until I finally get somewhere. <laughs> Use that uh, work ethic I have for good. Then I'll get a scorpion neck tattoo. Uh, the scorpion neck tattoo, for anyone that's listening, is a My Chemical Romance, uh, Frank Iero reference, how we got a scorpion neck tattoo when he thought the band was going to take off. So he didn't think he needed to ever get a job. Work for him. Might still work for me. Um, so yeah I'll get a scorpion neck tattoo so I never have to get a proper job and then I'll retire when I'm dead doing what I wanted to do until the end um, yeah basically what's happened in the past 10 years I've stayed at the same retail job which blew my mind I've actually started making a lot more money as like some kind of art career not really making art nobody buys my art but as like a workshop facilitator and I really enjoy it but I also kind of hate it so <laughs> Turns out being an artist wasn't my dream job. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, who knows? Um, yeah, but I was quite hopeful that I just wanted to, you know, make art for a living. I don't know. But they always say, don't, what is it? You, not the quote before, we'd be like, oh, you, you, I always think, don't do what you love as a job. Um, but yeah, um, another highlight is when I worked at Didsbury and it was the most unmancunian place I've ever been to. I felt like a big fish out of water. The majority of people there were super rich and super rude. I used to love it when the bin man came, as he was, despite a few volunteers, the only bank voice I would hear at work, honestly. <laughs> I still see the same company, bin lorries in town sometimes now, I think fondly of the time the bin man came, and I used to come out like, ah, yeah, because I'd be like, yeah, I can put on a proper accent for the bin man. Um, but yeah, so yeah, that was a weird one. But I'll be honest, it's... It's still very me, just making stupid bold statements. Me like, I don't want a career. But we had to sit. Me and my sister were having a conversation the other month, and we were saying like, we're not really, am, we're not an ambitious family. <laughs> like we, we like. I feel like my brother is, but he kind of wants everything, but not put the work in. We don't know what went wrong there because, even though my dad's a shit dad, 
he's, he's got a good work ethic, you know, he'll graft. And my mum, I said, good work ethic, what does that even mean? It's probably an infographic about how that doesn't mean anything anymore. <laughs> you know, my mum's always worked, my sister's always worked, I've always worked. Um, we're like, is it a generational thing? Does he just want money for free? I should be paid for my time, just existed, I don't know. Um, but yeah, but we're like, we're not really like, we don't really have any goals in terms of what we want to do for a living. We just want to not do something we hate and make enough money to live and do fun stuff. And that's like our ambition. I think her partner's like, what, you know what, do you not want to like go anywhere? She's like, no, I don't want to progress. I'm happy here. <laughs> so we're very much like me and my sister are very much like, no, we're happy here. I don't know. It's weird. So like, yeah, I think, you know, we're, we're just happy doing something. We don't particularly want to reach the top um we just don't want to hate what we do yeah um and that's where i'm at now um making this bold statement like that's going to be an artist um yeah still haven't got a scorpion neck tattoo though so maybe that's the issue maybe i've not fully committed to this yeah maybe that's it maybe the universe is just waiting for you to get that scorpion neck tattoo and then they're like (laughs) right come on then we're off I'm a full-time artist now, and then they'd be like, uh, "I've got no money." So you're gonna become that. Um, someone was telling me the other day, and it's gonna be shit because I can't remember this person's name. But apparently, there's like this hype artist that's in London at the minute, who's working class, and Tracy Emin's like paid for a bunch of their stuff for him as like an up-and-coming working-class success story. And I was like, "What? Wild. Maybe that's what's going to happen to you. The universe is going to be like, right, okay. Oh, I'm too old. I feel like there's a lot of like, I have enjoyed how I've seen more working class artists, they are being like bold, but yeah, I've, I think also my stuff's not, not the right stuff. It's not, it's not going to happen to me. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, do you know we have got a bit of a Venn diagram here with when we talk about Tracy Emin because Tracy Emin knows a thing or two about a used tampon. <laughs> We've got the crossover. <laughs> Isn't she a wrong one, though? She's a Tory these days, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I gotta say, didn't she cross over? She she is one of those people who I will allow the phrase transcended the class. <laughs> <laughs> she sold everyone out. Maybe I don't want to buy all my shit and take me with her, you know. Maybe maybe I don't want to be making used tampons as my heart. Maybe I, <laughs> I won't be picking up a floor. Maybe I'm happy here. Yeah, have you thought about that, Tracy? I'm in. <laughs> oh, dear yeah i don't know it's funny isn't it but i hope you know when people like what's your dream job i'm like i literally haven't got one but i have started saying recently if i won the lottery which i never will because i never play it but if i won the lottery my dream would be to open like a community art space not in the city center but where i live in the area where i live uh, which is north of the city center. not very far but you know no one gives a fuck about it um yeah i just run like a community art space it has loads of, like cool shit in it you know, adults and kids could come and make cool shit. And I just, I wouldn't run it because I can't be fucking arsed. That's why I, I could run this thing in real life, but you're just chasing funding, aren't you? That's not my life. Yeah. Then um, I just turn up, you know, like once a week and do a workshop and everyone would like kiss my ass. And I'd be like, hi, everyone. Community art. Cool people. Yeah, cool, cool, cool. Bye. You know, then I'd go make a bunch of zines or some random shit that no one buys. But it doesn't matter because I've got loads of money. Oh that was my dream job. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Mate, I mean that that would be the coolest thing ever. Imagine the amazing legends that would come up out of the back of that. Well, that's what I mean. You know, that's what I feel like. That's what most people want, isn't it? They want to give people like them yeah. a leg up. But it's how how you do that. But yeah, yeah, without turning into a prick and like looking down on people. Yeah. 
yeah. I think, do you know, to bring it back to my favourite TV show, Gobblebox, uh, so... <laughs> Is I it think, your favourite TV show? You never mentioned it. I just never mentioned it. It's just something new I'm trying out. Um, the, so, <laughs> last night on Celebrity Gogglebox, I was just like... Honestly, the visibility at the moment for working class legends is just amazing, isn't it? On telly. Yeah. I think I you've never I'm seen Yeah, you've never seen so many like legit stories being shared by actual legit people. I'm not talking, you know, I mean, I right, I know Shameless is actually written by someone legit. You know, but like when you think about the characters, they they were not it's not like autobiographical, is it? It was just based on like their life wow. and stuff. But I think it got seen and taken slightly wrongly and like more stereotypically yeah, even, because it was like, rare. Laugh with at them, not at them. Yeah, them, exactly. Yeah. Um, and that's no fault of the guys own who who did it. But I think it was because it was groundbreaking. Do you know what I mean? There weren't many other shows like that at the time. Yeah, and I think so... back then, if you, that's the only way you could get your show on with with anything like yeah. that was the only if you're a minority of any time you know to get your show on you have to kind of yeah yeah, it had to be a certain way yeah and probably had loads of people saying yeah um we're gonna give you money for it if you do this with it and you're like fuck's sake right then yeah because what Um, about everybody else want everyone to enjoy it not everyone might might not get it oh god Um, not for them (laughs) it reminds me about when um i read about when they first started showing uh shameless like anywhere else in the world and in in america they had it in subtitles and then when we got jersey shore we had that in subtitles as well <laughs> um but yeah the uh i think like it's the, the thing that i love the most at the minute and i specifically brought up gogglebox because like the majority of people that were on gogglebox last night in the celeb one are working class there's a bunch of like seriously posh people like Joanna Lumley and Giles Brandreth, they're in one. But like so many other folks are like proper actual estate legends. Do you know what I mean? And even then, like just outside of Gogglebox, Channel 4 at the minute is is absolutely killing it with like actually commissioning proper legit working class legends writing their own stories. For now, yeah, bloody hell. Protect the Channel 4. But um yeah, it's just mint, like, um, Big Boys recently, absolutely loved it, you know, we've got all these mint new shows coming up, and I'm like, how important is visibility, it's not about having, like, one novelty friend, and that everyone calls that one character's name, because there's only one working class show on telly, do you know what I mean, Even same like goes for presenters. race and everything, yeah. Yeah, because obviously at the minute, you turn on the telly now, and you're like, oh, the white people are the minority. They are the true global minority, but, you know, because, you know, people are still trying to take those boxes, and I'm like, mm. I, this is obvious, but also I get to enjoy these uh, people of colour on the telly, so I know what's going on, but I'm I, I'm enjoying it. Um, yeah. But I think, like, even even presenters now, there'd be a time when you wouldn't have a presenter on with a regional accent, and obviously look at Alison Hammond, she's amazing. <laughs> I love going around. You know Alison! I mean? like, just people presenting stuff is like, yeah. You, if you can read an article and have charisma, then you can be a presenter. So I don't know what the issue is. Why you? Why does everyone have to be Holly Willoughby? Do you know what I mean? Mate, when when you've got Alison talking to Stacey Solomon, I'm just like, and and that other last Josie, them three. Yeah. For me, I'm just like, we've made it. <laughs> we've made it, guys. 
And I guess, right, you know, if we're going to go on a tangent, we'll get back to talking about the zine. So maybe this is for another, maybe we'll do a second, we'll do, we did a live episode of a TV issue, but maybe we need to come back and do an actual episode of a Probably. TV. Probably. Um, they all came from reality TV. And as much as people diss it, maybe that's the only way that working class people get yeah. to be where they need to be these days. Just saying. Yeah. Just saying. I hear you. It's a good point, that, because, you know, how are you just getting into telly unless your dad's already in telly or... Yeah. You know, or you can work for free and live in London. <laughs> no. Exactly. Ridiculous. So, uh, segueing on, because honestly, we could talk about TV and especially Gogglebox, I could talk about all day. Shout out to Ryland and Ryland's mum. Please commission them their own show. Um, <laughs> is... <laughs> we'll come across to Rachel's piece. So, Rachel again Would talks get... about. Yeah being in the arts as well yeah going into the arts Uh, the arts I call it the arts (laughs) so she doesn't talk about crying in toilets but I'd I'd (laughs) probably wager a pretty good bet that she probably did because that's what we're finding out here that's what the data is telling us Um, and there's a quote in here that I think is really great because she talks about you know again we for a long time i've talked about you know it's almost if you love certain things you think how can i make money out of it right or like how can i spend the most of my time making money and enjoying what i do and what she talks about here is the things that she loved as a kid she wanted to do but like can you actually have that as a job when you're a kid you don't see anybody else doing that as a job it's not seen as a inverted commas proper job so how do you even know you can do it um so she wrote music art and books were a part of my everyday life but it wasn't until much much later that i realized this was something you might actually be able to make a living from and i knew from watching what happened to my parents that earning enough to keep the wolf from the door was really important and something i should never take for granted i had to be able to support myself money might not be the might not be the most important thing in the world but it certainly did matter and, you know, I think this this is like part of the thing that we talk about a lot as well of there is no safety net, right? So even if you are nouveau riche and, you, you know, one thing could happen, you might fuck something up or something might happen to you or whatever, um, that could be it. The whole lot's gone. Do you know what I mean? Like, I were there earlier in this bloody issue, giving it the big un, and I went bankrupt. <laughs> they were like poorer than I ever fucking was, do you know? And, and yeah. that's the thing, like, work hard, do whatever, but, like, sometimes it's about safety, isn't it, and security in a world that is not always there to, to help and support you. Yeah. And um, the, there's another uh, piece that I think also explains this is from Charlotte Cooper, and um, Charlotte wrote, In this mix is a feeling that I will never shake, shake precarity. I will always have to hustle. There's no safety net other than the one I have woven for myself. I feel so sad that life is all about scraping by and making do. I wish I could be carefree and extravagant. And I know that the safety net is not the strongest or the best in the world, but that it will have to do for now. I mint. Love it. Yeah. There was something else that um, I was just looking in Rachel's piece that I think is echoing what I was trying to say when I was like, uh, I was like, yeah, I want to be an artist. And then like, past year, I've been like, I'm done with the arts. I don't want to be in the art world. I hate the artist. Um, so I'll just read that quickly. It's like, 
Maybe this frustration is also bound up with my realization that facilitating someone else's art isn't the same as making your own. And that actually this is what is really important to me. And this is why DIY art slash activism and music is still so vital and why I keep coming back to it. It enables and encourages people who wouldn't normally be included to tell their stories in their own voices. And maybe one day arts institutions and establishments will catch up to the importance of these stories and start making sure they are really properly represented. Or maybe they never will. But the louder the voices from the margins get, the more we encourage each other to create, talk, real and educate, the less it matters anyway. Yeah, we don't need you. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Mic drop. Good night. But yeah, it's that, yeah. I guess it's like that whole saying, um, don't wait for a seat at the table, make your own table. Yes, <laughs> mate. You know, that whole thing's like, no, I don't want to be at your table anyway, which I think a lot of, that is a big thing throughout this issue. People realising that they, they've got to this place and they don't, they don't fit in and they don't really want to be there. Yeah. Um, but yeah. <sighs> mate, I bloody love doing this episode. Even if it's, this is definitely going to be a two-hour job. But I think, yeah, two hours, fine, fine. Every issue, because there's t- so many bloody legends coming out with these top quotes. And um, our final one is by Claire. And um, Claire talks about growing up with a single parent and, you know, what you learn from, again, you know, what we've said before about what your parents kind of tell you and what they're sort of instilling you and then how you kind of see that a bit differently now you're older, you know, and you see the kind of things that they had to do just to get by, you know, yeah, and the and sacrifices like, they the, have to the make. World, the world has changed since they were younger. Like the world has changed now since we wrote this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And so she writes... When I was little, I was taught by a very wise woman that to survive in life, you need to get money, and to get money, you need to work hard. I learned the value of money when I was super small, where I wasn't allowed things simply because we couldn't afford it. I was also taught that school was important and it would prepare me for work, and when I got to be working, I'd have to work hard to maintain a job and progress. Me mam, important spelling, M-E space M-A-M, me mam, was on her own, and we have a great supportive family. She says that she wanted to spend the first few years of my life with me as she felt time was more important as the money she would need to earn just to pay for childcare. My memory tells me that my mum was always working and that's because she was. And yeah, I just that kind of goes back to like that other submission, you know, from the point of a parent. Yeah. Say, like... Mate, definitely. And just knowing that, you know, looking back... It's tough because, do you know, we've talked about it before, haven't we? Um, you know, our our parents know that we do this thing called poor lass and it's about being working class. But it's tough and you don't want to be, you know, like condescending or disrespectful or whatever. Like, you know, our parents have, have done what they've done to do what they could for us. And, you know, it, it, it's tough sometimes to talk about that sort of stuff. Um if you especially in situations where you grow up without um and where do you put that right where do you put that feeling of maybe you weren't able to achieve things or maybe you weren't able to have things that other people had um what what do you do with that frustration you know and and the world tells us that we should blame the parents at all times and you know especially from the outside right the fucking tories and all the idiots out there that are like well 
you shouldn't have had a kid if you couldn't afford to have a kid. You know, it, it's... Uh, I, I love hearing from basically that kid, you know, the kid that happened yeah. and was like, hey, here's what happened and my mum's actually amazing and, you know, I'm not talking for... So shut your stupid mouth. Generally, but yeah. <laughs> General, shut your yeah. bloody stupid mouth. They did everything they could um, and you're an idiot, bye. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you made it hard for them nobody else you exactly. people that say this shit are the people that made it hard for them yeah and you know as as claire said there you know when mum made the choice of what what do we do here and and what she did was spend the time with her you know like how crazy is that that a parent would have to like make the choice to spend time with their kid or not and yeah, that happens or... a lot doesn't it like the whole latchkey yeah. kid thing of and then I'm saying, and then whichever one they choose, the parent's going to get stick for it. Yeah. Either they're choosing to spend the time with the kid, and then so therefore they're not contributing to society because they're not because they're taking benefits and living off benefits, or they're working and then letting the kid bring themselves up. Yeah. So it's like oh, lose lose it's a lose lose situation. Uh, yep. Ugh. Well. It is a very, uh, I don't know about you, but I'm sat in this chair sweating, Selena. It's I just need. I just need the toilet. I need the toilet. Um, <laughs> yeah. There's no messing about with the editing here. It's not like all these, you know, people who've got producers and that, and they're like editing it out when they need to go for a wee or whatever. We're no, just I was, like, was going to go for one, and... but then I was like, no, I'm going to persevere. <laughs> <laughs> because I was brought up to just work hard. Get shit done. Do your work. Don't quit. And it'll pay off. So I'm going to work hard at not going to the toilet and then I'll probably give myself a UTI. So <laughs> just, just think, right, that time that Fergie went on stage and she just thought, do you know what? I'm on stage with the Black Eyed Peas. I'm just going to piss myself and it's fine. She hasn't got time. She hasn't got time to go off and she come back on. She hasn't got bloody time. No, this is it. She's a professional. Um, <laughs> I am too a professional. <laughs> Um, do you know what I would be, I would be intrigued to to do like a a work issue now and see like we were saying what the what what how the next gen feel about it especially as like there is that weird thing now where a lot of people are working from home and that brings up so many different things like the ability of working from home the, yeah. the assumption that everybody can work from home or yeah, people and... that prefer working at home because that is more accessible to them yeah, what the what the kids would say, you know, that uh, the parents now work from home, like what yeah. what the difference is in, in a world now where people are seeing their worth more than ever before and realising, oh, I can have work-life balance. Interesting. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and I, think, and I think I know a lot of... I know a lot of... There's a couple of people um, that are like, you know, my age or older and have got kids and they'll be like, oh, I never saw my parents because they just worked hard a lot because they wanted yeah. to create a financial stable life for us. We didn't have money, so they worked hard. I never saw them. But now I don't want that for my kids. I want them to see me. So it's like that flip side of like, they their, their priority was like, we want you to be financially secure because we weren't. So we're going to work all we can so you're financially secure. And that was them doing their best. And then yeah. they're like, oh, but you, I never saw you. So I don't need all these things, but I want to see my kid. It's that weird. I think things go in cycles, isn't it? Oh, defo, defo. And you know, I hope that all those kids grow up to go on 
Gogglebox next generation and we get to <laughs> <laughs> I hope they're all making programmes and presenting TV shows yeah, and telling right. us and being honest about, you know, growing up with no money. But here they yeah. are now. From the mouths of legit working class people, you might say. Yeah. Yeah. Who've so, got a uh... global a global project. <laughs> Uh, that's my favourite thing, our words of like, oh, we're so global, by issue one, we're so global. Well, um, I, I exchanged uh, Instagram links with my next door neighbour today, shout out to Monica if she's listening, and um, you know, we we obviously know each other, live together, live together, live next door to each other for a while, got each other's numbers, but we've not done the, you know, this is me on Instagram thing. This is and, me in uh, our social sphere. Yeah, this, check me out, this is me. And she sent me a message back saying, wow, I've got a famous neighbour. And I was like, <laughs> a famous neighbour? So but basically, what I do is just chat shit on a podcast with my mate <laughs> and put it on the internet. I don't know about famous. But yeah, it's like, yeah, give give the platforms to the people. Let them, let them have a chat. Platforms to the people, that's my new slogan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've been saying take up space for like the past eight years. Get rid of that now. Maybe more, platforms like for the people. Platforms for the people. Let's We're not it, about mate. taking. We we want you to give it to us now. I'm sick of taking up space. Give me the platform for the people. <laughs> cool. Right. Well, I'm sweating far too much into my Ralphie. Do you know what I mean? So I need to. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> need to not do that. Can't be doing that. <laughs> this, is, this is why you want my uh, nouveau riche friend. <laughs> Yeah, I need to go and have a wee and have my fish pie. I can smell it. I can oh. smell it. Oh, no. Oh, no. Well, enjoy! <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, join us next time when we talk through issue two. Oh, mate, what even is issue two? Can we remember? To wet the whistle. Maybe your neighbourhood, maybe. Do you know what? I, I think, think you're right. Let me spin my little chair around. Yes. <laughs> neighbourhood and community. And the cover art is Park Hill Flats in Sheffield for the fans. So, um, yeah, let's... Let's get going, not be sweaty, and you go and eat your fish pie, your ocean pie, and um, <laughs> see everyone see for issue two. Woo! Bye! Woo. See ya! <laughs>